I am happy to have you all on an early Friday morning. I've, joining me are some guys that want to talk to you about G-Day. I've got Michael Brockstein, also known as Senator Lutarski, and uh, every paranoid nation has their anonymous internet source dropping <laughs> dropping uh, cues on the internet. Before there was QAnon and Q, we had the Senator Blutarski uh, below him. And uh, you'll hear from Jeremy Attaway, who is the editor on Dog Sports uh, website. And, uh, and, and, and if you're not following dog sports, you should be because they don't kiss the ring of butt smear without any fear of retribution of losing a credential. So they're not afraid to, uh, to cut care, cover the dogs a little differently than some of the other sites. And on that note, we have Graham who will say anything to anyone at any time and put it on the internet. So he is at mummy pole. Graham is at Dog Out West, and Jeremy is at Making Dog. I am the guy on the internet who misspells tweets and puts out stats. And uh, you can follow me at dog underscore stats. So good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So tomorrow's on the on the interweb. No no fancy ESPN broadcast for Georgia. Um, so I don't know who's calling the game, but do you think they're going to talk about anything other than George Pickens? And if so, what what are you guys going to be looking for out of G-Day. Michael, what, what do you think the, beside the, the who's going to step up in the Pickens void, what do you like to see or what are you expecting to see from G-Day that we can actually glean something from? My point this week of the blog has been, uh, I think the big thing you can get out of a, a day like G-Day is to see if uh, any players' mechanics have improved uh, in the off season. And so my, my biggest number one watch is going to be to see what uh, Daniels looks like, particularly throwing the deep ball if he's managed to sort of get rid of that awkward little hopping motion he's got when he puts it up there. And if his, his deep ball's got a little bit better uh, trajectory than it had uh, uh, last season. And the second guy I want to watch in the same regard is Truss. Because, uh, I mean, the, the O-line is such a huge question mark right now, um, not because there isn't talent, but because I don't have the first clue how it's all going to sort out if it, the only thing I know for sure is that the coaches obviously would like to move Sawyer inside. And he wants to move inside, but there's no way they're going to do that if they don't feel good about somebody taking over at left tackle. And uh, that's going to mean if it's trust that he's going to have to look a lot better than he did in the bowl game. Yeah. You know, we talked about the O-line and, and Graham went deep on that on our show. And I mean, he had some moments at the end of the game, but yeah, he got blown up pretty good. Uh, and, uh, but you know, like you say, you know, we, what coach always preaches is you got to get better. So yeah, that's a good call and seeing if we can get some mechanics out of those, those guys and see if we can see some improvement. Graham, what do you, uh, what do you think of all the mid year enrollees and which one are you looking to maybe step up? Maybe some of those guys that left left tackle. Well, yeah. I mean, the obvious one is Amarius Mims, right? Um, the, the talent there is tantalizing and, you know, from a recruiting standpoint in a, program full of really really strong o-line commits and and recruits like he's kind of a step above in terms of how heralded he he has been coming in maybe it's an andrew thomas type situation where he can come in and like start from day one uh but doesn't sound like he's kind of pushing that right now sounds like he's still running with the twos which if he could come out there and have a really good showing especially against the number one defensive line with a lot of talent, that would be a big statement for him. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, there's a ton of mid-year enrollees that I'm excited to see besides Mims. You've got Brock Bowers, Nylon Green, Xavier Story, Smeal Mondin, Chaz Chambliss, like those guys at linebacker and in the secondary, if Georgia can have somebody kind of step up there and provide some depth or even maybe crack the the first level of playing rotation, it would be a big help. Jeremy, who are you uh, are you going to the game? And if so, or if not, what are uh, some some of the guys on offense that you expect to to maybe make a, um, a Fraser Hudson type of appearance? Yeah, I'm I'm not actually making it to the game. I'm going to be at a fast paced um, junior gym, gymnastics meet. I'm not competing. Uh, I'm only <laughs> doesn't mean you doesn't um, mean you can't bet on it though. That's true. Uh, DraftKings will take will take your money on almost anything, um, but uh, yeah, no. I'll tell you one guy who I'm looking to see, and I think I don't think people are really properly considering the impact he could make early uh, is Brock Bowers, tight end out of California, um, who's a guy who, uh, you know, if you're going to be an early enrollee and you're going to make an impact at a school like Georgia, I think one of the things you have to do is you have to bring a skill set that's not currently on the roster. And I think Brock Bowers is a guy who does that in that he's a smaller, uh, more fluid route running tight end than guys that we have. I mean, obviously, you know, Darnell Washington and John Fitzpatrick are both all getting off the bus team kind of guys, you know, 6'6", 6'7", 260. Um, But the truth is neither one of them is as fluid a route runner at this point as Brock Bowers was coming out of high school. Um, I got really excited about this kid when I turned on his film, and one of the first things I saw uh, was him returning kickoffs, uh, you know, and actually making guys miss in the open field on kickoff returns. Um, you know, that kind of Orson Charles guy is is something that, frankly, we don't really have at this point either on the wide receiver side or on the tight end side. Uh, you know, he's a guy who didn't play any senior football. California uh, canceled high school football in its entirety, um, <clears throat> which turned out to be a yeah, you know, good news, bad situa- news situation for Rush Proach down at Valdosta. Whole another story. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, so he, he hasn't played, you know, a down of, of live fire football uh, in quite a while. But uh, he is a guy who I think really brings something, uh, A, that we've seen Todd Munkin try to do on offense, which is, is use those kind of hybrid tight end receiver guys, um, you know, in a variety of ways. Um, and B, I just think he's really, you know, immensely physically talented. Like Michael, I'm really interested to see, you know, whether we get somebody uh, at left tackle who we can rotate in. Um, you know, Xavier Trust is a guy, you know, like you guys said, he, he struggled a little bit when he got the chance uh, there in the bowl game. <clears throat> Long term, I thought it was interesting. Jamari Salyer was asked a while back, um, not really to handicap that race, but about some of the guys who are involved. Um, and I found it interesting that he that he really gushed about the talent that Broderick Jones has. Um, and he's a guy who I've liked since he came out of high school. Uh, you know, I, I still think that race is not exactly settled. I'm hoping, though, that uh, that is one that we get settled um, so that we can <clears throat> hopefully move Sawyer to his natural position, move him inside, um, you know, and, and get a start on replacing what we lost on that offensive line. So, Jeremy, did, did you just set us up for a potential three tight end set at some point last year with, like, Fitzpatrick as a H-back, Washington on the end of the line, and Bowers in the slot? Because if so, I'm already very excited for that. Yeah, to, to be fair, I've been setting us up for that since about 2004. 
um, and so far, um, so so far it hasn't come to fruition. But yeah, I, I really think he's a guy who who brings something to the table that we don't really have on the roster at this point. Um, and so I'm sort of interested to see, uh, you know, I could see a situation where he makes a couple of plays with G-Day uh, and, and people sort of get excited about the possibility of what we can do with that offensively. I'm going to go out of limb and say that we're the only video podcast Twitter thing that's going to go that deep on Brock Bauer. So I, I commend, I commend you, Mr. Attaway. Um, this time last year, you know, the, we were in the, the complete throes of the uh, pandemic and was shutting everything down. And Georgia fans were, of course, worried about losing an all-time defense uh, to a COVID season. This year is a little different. The defense is young, um, but we've got, you know, some, the secondary is uh, got a lot to prove. Who do we expect to maybe get some reps at corner and maybe show out and maybe give us an idea who might be leading the, the chance to uh, get number one at the cornerbacks? Um, <laughs> I guess I'm going to go into my long-term spiel right here. I, and I probably should have made a bigger deal about it at the time than I did. But looking at it now, the, the fact that Smart only signed 20 kids in, in this last class and deliberately left spots open on the roster, the more I watch, the more this tells me that we're not done in the transfer portal. And I, especially after what the NCAA did yesterday, I have a funny feeling that one of our starting cornerbacks isn't on the roster as of tomorrow. That's probably, I know I've, if you've said that, it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I didn't even put all the pieces together. See, this is the cue drops that you're going to give us. I mean, you're all over it. <laughs> Kirby's oh, just, a, Kirby deserves credit, at least in terms of roster management. Of course, he learned from the master, but, you know, he played the wrong game with this. And I, I think he knew once everybody was off of the pros that that was going to be a, a spot uh, that, I, no, I just, number one, I just can't see Georgia starting two freshman corners. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I mean, I think we've got a nice backbone up the middle in the secondary now with the, the two safeties and uh, Tyke uh, Smith. But, you know, maybe you risk one freshman at a corner, but I just can't see two of them. So I think all those guys are going to be, uh, you know, Kimber and Ringo and Green, they're going to be battling for the two deep. But I, I, I would just be surprised if more any more than one of them uh, gets a start. Uh, and and, and for the record, you were talking about saving the master, not the portal master, right? That's that's who we Absolutely. are. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the interesting thing that, I mean, obviously it'll be exciting to see Ringo, right? Because we haven't yeah. seen him and it, it'll be fun to see him in pads on the football field at full speed. But I the thing I'm wondering a little bit with, with Tyke Smith coming in, like it feels like that star position is something that we may have more bodies that, that would be suited in than a true cover corner. I'm almost wondering if like Tyke Smith might come in, slide into that free safety position and we might see Christopher Smith come down and play corner just because he was very, very good in coverage last year. He's put on a lot of weight in the off season. It looks like, but he's still not that natural safety body in in the run stopping sort of situation so i don't know i'm curious if that might be a, a kind of backup plan at some point as well just because that's kind of more his natural position anyways well smith said at the time that uh, he committed to georgia that the coaches talked to him about both star and safety right so right. there may be some something in the works 
Well, um, on that note, too, on the other side of the ball, uh, Kirby came out of character a little bit and named JT as our starter, uh, which is, I mean, if you told me last March uh, that JT Daniels was going to be the starter and then we would it would already have a played a season with us, we would have been like, who? But he's number one. Who's going to be number two? Or who's going <laughs> to get the most looks at being number two? Take it, Jeremy. Uh, that's definitely Brock Bowers. <laughs> no, no, so it's for Georgia's offense. Yeah, no. In, in all seriousness, you know, it's interesting. The, you know, the question of of who is your, you know, who's your starting quarterback versus who's your backup quarterback. In some ways, um, it's a little different analysis, I think, for a coaching staff and. Yeah, the, the reason for that is the fact that, uh, you know, your second string quarterback is never more than one play away from going in. Um, so, uh, you know, whereas you might sometimes take a guy uh, who you need to get reps, who has a great deal of natural talent, um, you know, and see if, and see how he does, sort of the, the Dwan Mathis method. Um, you know, I think for that backup spot, you want, you want somebody more like Stetson Bennett for that. Um, you know, we, you need somebody who, uh, you know, can come in, steady the ship uh, if something happens to JT. So I, I think that's what you're looking at in, in that regard. I, I will say it's been sort of interesting, some of the things, you, you know, that we've heard uh, about Carson Beck uh, as, as things have progressed. He was sort of, a you know, sort of the lost man <laughs> in that quarterback competition last year. Um, but, you know, at a certain point, as, as, he, as he hangs around the program, uh, and you continue to hear good things about his preparation, and, and uh, you sort of start to wonder: Is he a guy who moves into that? Uh, yeah, I frankly have no idea. Uh, I just want to wrap JT Daniels in bubble wrap um, because uh, you know, when we saw the conflagration that resulted when George Pickens got injured, um, I, I don't necessarily want to be a part of the Georgia Bulldog internet if something happens to JT Daniels. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure exactly how as a group, we would handle that. Bulldog fans have kind of gotten conditioned this offseason uh, to believe that we've got this sort of um, you know, perfect machine on offense. Uh, and I sort of feel like if if the motor to the perfect machine uh, goes out, um, th- things are going to get dark in a hurry. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my thought on that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like with Beck, I don't know. I... I've heard a lot of good things about him. I mean, both in, in the media reports that we've seen, but also a few folks that, uh, you know, are in the know supposedly, but who knows how in the know they actually are. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like Beck is kind of like uh, that Mac Jones kind of figure that he's, you know, he's now stuck between two super recruits with Vandergriff, or I guess he's still in front of Vandergriff, but you got Vandergriff in the program stocked in the year after and it feels like everyone has sort of crowned one of those two as like the mm-hmm. the heir apparent already when Daniels leaves but I I think he may have as much arm talent as any as any quarterback we have on the roster like I think he has a very good big arm and he's extremely accurate and if he really is grasping the offense as well as everyone says like it would be a very big statement in his favor if he is named the second quarterback at some point because you just don't see someone get named a, a number two quarterback when there's another player on the roster with starting experience in the sec so 
if that happens, that would be a big vote of confidence for him and yeah. kind of, I think, may put him on the inside track to start in uh, 2022. My feeling is you're going to – whoever winds up number two out of the spring or even the, the summer may not be the number two by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think kind of, yeah. kind of what you said, Jeremy, is like you want somebody to come in and steady the ship, and that might be Stetson Bennett, but you also want the guy that's getting number two to have the reps uh, in practice to make him a starter when you need him to be a starter. And I think Stetson Bennett would be uh, uh, just a steadying person that knows the offense and can come in. But um, so what do we think? Do you think we're going to see some new wrinkles from Monk? And this is a lot of the kids' first spring. And certainly we didn't have a spring last year. And I, I seem, I think we all, and it's hard to say if we saw new wrinkles in the offense last year because it changed so dramatically once JT got the, the call. But do we think we can see something? Maybe some of those H, H back sniffers that I didn't know what were 10 months ago, but now Graham has educated <laughs> me on them. Do you think we're going to see some of that? Or do you think we're going to be any, anything exciting that we can possibly glean from uh, the Monk and offense tomorrow that we haven't seen in the last few games of the, of the season last year? Outside, of, outside of a trick play, I'd be surprised if you saw much new. I do think they're going to throw a lot tomorrow for uh, a number of reasons, a lot more than we, we should expect during the regular season. But I don't think you're going to see a lot of uh, – that's just not the way Kirby wants to do things. So, Yeah, you, you, I mean, our running back situation is solidified pretty much. But you, I guess you're saying you want to see, again, like we talked about to start the show, the O-line and pass protection. And also, I mean, some of these running backs, like Graham has pointed out, on many threads and shows, you know, Zeus knows how to block and some of those other guys need to pick right. up that part of the game. Plus you want to test the corners. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I, I think that's the lesson that you could learn that would be the wrong lesson from G day would be that, Oh, we're really opening up the offense in year two based on the fact that Kirby knows what he wants to work on. <laughs> that would be a huge a huge mistake so yeah it, it, long term are we going to see a lot of different things I think probably so one of the best things about Todd Munkin as an offensive coordinator uh, is that unlike some other offensive coordinators who who sort of rise to prominence and then it seems like everybody can stop them it is that you know he's changed his offense based on the personnel that he has available and you know what he sees other people doing um, yeah, the fact that he's dynamic as an offensive coordinator, I, you know, we're going to see some some things this year that we didn't see last year. That's, you know, I, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. But yeah, tomorrow I would just expect to see them testing the corners. Um, yeah, I would expect them you know, to kind of see what some of those young receivers who didn't get a lot of snaps last year could do. Um, frankly, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited after hearing, uh, you know, Terrence Edwards and various players and everybody talk about oh how you know how great Justin Robinson for example, has <laughs> done, you know, I, I would mm -hmm. like to see Justin, I would like to see Justin Robinson against those, some of those freshman corners. I, I kind of want to see him against Jalen Kimber and see, you know, a one-on-one -on -one with a year in the program between those two, what it looks like. Um, so I think those are going to be the things to keep an eye on um, is some of those, you know, you know, some of those guys who, you know, we sort of have a feel that they're going to play a lot of snaps in 2021, but we really haven't seen them do that on the back end. Treated as a you know, glorified seven on seven, um, you know, Kirby's not going to send Zeus up the middle on seven plays in a row tomorrow. It's just not, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, but you know, rest assured, if he's got a lead against Clemson, uh, he's you know, we know Kirby. He's not going to have any compunction about doing that. That that's what'll happen. Uh, you know, he's not going to change his spot. So yeah, I, I wouldn't take too much from tomorrow, but I would expect to 
expect to read a lot of people being very excited about a wide open gun slinging offense um, that is not going to actually make it to the field in September. Well, Fair you enough. know, Kirby and all the pressers has talked about how the offense has been ahead of the defense. So I suspect that again, knowing we've got to find a new number one, we know who the, the candidates are, but yeah, that's going to be, yeah, Justin Robinson and, and some of these other guys that are going to get a chance. So I suspect that uh, there's going to be a lot of touchdowns to the air. That's a good call. Hey, I hate, yeah, to, I hate, to, I hate to damper your hopes on Robinson, but he's one of the guys listed as questionable tomorrow. That Achilles, oh. Achilles and ankle problems. Let's keep over and say we're all we're all day to day. So yep. what about yep. uh <laughs> what what about like Jackson Meeks or uh Adonai Mitchell, some of these like true freshman guys coming in? I feel like we might see I think it was it Meeks or Mitchell that was getting a lot of a lot of Mitchell. praise after the yeah, yeah that yeah. scrimmage a couple weeks ago. So I mean, we don't really have many bodies those kind of bigger bodies like pickings on the roster besides Robinson. Um, so, you know, if we can have a, a, a little bit more of like a jump ball possession receiver emerge, that would be encouraging. It feels yeah. like. Yeah. It, it feels like we probably will have somebody who, who kind of gets the type of audition that uh, Matt Landers got a couple of years ago. At <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's, let's, that let's, worked out well. <laughs> throw it up to him five times and see how many he comes down with uh you know and yeah that yeah that didn't work so you know who knows maybe maybe adonai mitchell uh, or jackson meeks is that guy um yeah i mean those are the kind of things that we're going to see is is some of these guys uh get get the get the chance to show if they have the skill set that we're all speculating that they do yeah okay well normally on uh on Fridays, I believe it's Fridays, Michael drops a little playpen uh, for his his crowd. And have you thought about taking the playpen to 8chan? Because I think shit could get real <laughs> freak, real freaky over there. But at any rate, so on that note, does anybody, does anybody have anything they want to bring up or say before we uh, let these people continue on their work day on Friday? I, I, so are, I, I assume, are any of y'all going to the game tomorrow? I'm, I cannot. I, I, uh, I'll be the only one there. Okay, I'll have to hold up my end yep. of the deal, everybody. You know, you the screw thing is, it's if I read it correctly, it sounds like the uh, ESPN Plus thing isn't going to be fixed at one spring game. They're going to be bouncing around all over the SEC tomorrow. Oh, Although right. I, think, I think they will broadcast the the Georgia game and it's uh, on the SEC network later on this week, but. Uh, sounds like I'm going to have the – I'll have the early jump on getting to watch the entire game over you guys. So. Okay, so there, are you going to be live tweeting it? God, no. <laughs> I'm hoping I'll be too inebriated for that. Yeah. No, I think you might be able to get it on the uh, on the ESPN app. Like, you may be able to, to just get on on that, that one feed. Yeah, but, I mean, it – this is what happens, right? Like Alabama gets the prime slot on yep. uh, on ESPN, and here we are on on SEC Network Plus. The Ocho, the Ocho. <laughs> yeah, I don't know Ocho, or maybe like the new Weve at this point. But um, at least it's at least it's not a noon kick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, I mean, win, win a national title, and you can get the ESPN slot for the spring game. So yep. maybe maybe we'll get it someday. Um, I got a question for you, Michael. The, the name, image, and likeness uh, bill. Can you, as or we got two attorneys on the call here, 
Um, what do we think? I mean, is that kicking in in time to like uh, save us from having to compete against that in Florida? I mean, well, give us a rundown on that because you talked, and also we got the one-time transfer. So those that missed that, uh, is that going to be in place soon enough to affect us in 2021? On uh, on NIL, I don't think the governor signed it yet, but I assume he's going to uh, since he's a, a rather big Georgia fan. Um, my understanding is right now there are something like legislation in seven states goes active on July 1st. And, um, you know, the NCAA keeps threatening to sue. The problem is every time a new state comes on board, it, it makes it a lot more, a little more daunting to go out there and sue in a bunch of different states to try to shut it down. So I'm not really sure how that's yeah. going to play out at this point. I, I don't know if y'all noticed the the one really weird wrinkle that they stuck in the Georgia bill at the last minute, the even though they're letting players earn revenue from their NIL. You can't give them bottles of water? Sorry. Different no, problem. it's not that. They don't get access to the money until a year after they leave school. Ooh, and interesting. That, that is something that's not in, uh, in these other states' uh, laws that are going into effect. And I would imagine Kirby's going to have to deal with that a little bit on the recruiting trail if that doesn't get cleaned up. Um, because to me, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good thing to throw, throw back. Um, I think, I think the NCAA is hoping like heck that the Supreme court is going to bail them out with the uh, appeal uh, on the Austin case. And I, I, I'm not sure they should be expecting as much as they're hoping to get out of that. I'm not sure. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to, to lose, but I don't think they're going to get the uh, antitrust exemption that they're really dying for. So at that point in time, uh, I don't know where it goes. I mean, they've dragged their feet. Uh, they're, they're not active, uh, you know, actually trying to settle things, but all that's going to keep happening is the uh, the water gets warmer and warmer on the frog, and eventually it's going to boil. So, at, at some point in time, they're going to have to they're going to have to either decide they, what they can live with, or just let it happen to them, or what. I, I, I'm really curious to see, and I would imagine we'll know more about that in June um, when the when we're getting a lot closer to some of these um, laws kicking in. Graham, any any other uh, deep dive into the roster you want to touch on? You can get a chance. I think we've got all 120 covered, but <laughs> no, else? I mean, yeah, yeah, I think we've we've gotten pretty down far down the line. I mean, I, I would no gray say shirts again, or preferred walk-ons we need to cover. Well, I mean, I think this is super exciting because we didn't get a spring game last year. I mean, like we've still not seen. Carson Beck ever throw a football um you know a lot of these guys in addition to the the early enrollees but some of these guys that were on the roster last year that were more developmental freshmen um I think it's just going to be exciting and I think we're gonna leave tomorrow probably someone that you know we we know his name but hasn't been maybe getting a ton of buzz or we're not super aware of is probably going to stand out and then we'll build him up and he won't be able to live up to those expectations when the season comes around. But like, yeah. I am very excited to see like the, the nylon greens and some of these young corners, but also I think we need uh, more depth at linebacker. So whether it's sorry or smell Mondin or Chaz Chambliss, some of those guys, you know, if they can flash a little bit and show some competency it would be good just because, linebackers in the sec you're gonna have some guys get dinged up and at some point 
we're going to have to be able to play some some second screen guys up there. Jeremy, any last thoughts you can you can add to this uh, this good morning and this getting ready for G Day? Yeah, just a, a couple of things that occur to me. One on the on the name, image, likeness front. I, I think Michael's right. It this is something that's uh, you know th there's a lot of legislation out there and there's a lot that remains to be decided on it. Something that's interesting though, as you you know with the recruiting work that we do at Dog Sport, as you talk to recruits and uh, you know as you just kind of see what they're telling other people, it's been interesting to see a shift in the past. In roughly six to nine months, um, I can't count the number of recruits who, when talking about Georgia, have talked about how Kirby Smart or Del McGee uh, or one of the other coaches has has talked to them about their personal brand or um, you know, things like that. Uh, it, it, you're really starting to hear that bleed into recruiting, um, which, to be honest, is, is going to drive some people nuts when it kind of comes mm -hmm. to fruition. Uh, there, there are some people who are going to be incredibly turned off at the thought of, um, you know, Kirby Smart going in home uh, and and showing kids exactly how they can harness the power of their personal brand. Um, <laughs> you know, that's 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 really going to going to throw some people for a loop. So be be aware of that. Also, I, I would add that, uh, you know, as Graham said, there's going to be somebody who's probably going to make an impact tomorrow. I, I refer to that as the Torin curtsy award um <laughs> i don't know uh you That's know, so deep dive. If you're old, yeah if you're if you're old like me you remember going to g-day and watching and watching touring curtsy uh you can google him if you don't remember who he is uh the georgia tailback <laughs> who just ran over through and around everyone on g-day uh back during the donnan era um but the fact that you're going to have to google him should let you know exactly why you should uh you know pump the brakes on whoever does that tomorrow so. Well, I guess t tomorrow's too early to see everyone's Twitter and Instagram uh, handles on the back of their jerseys, but I'm sure Kirby will embrace whatever comes around the corner. Uh, or maybe just put their Venmo on the back. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That, that's not that far off. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. I hope you guys have enjoyed our little G-Day prep. If you're not following at Making Dog, that's Jeremy on Twitter, and be sure to be checking in on uh, dogsports.com. Graham writes for dogsports.com, and he is at Dog Out West. The one and only Senator Lutarski, Michael Brockstein, get the picture, is the OG original blog blog site there. So check him out. I believe now if you go to Google and type in Blutarski, his, his blog comes up before uh, Animal House, which is that I mean, correct, actually. <laughs> Pretty weird. weird. All right. Thank you, guys. <laughs> however you enjoy the game, enjoy it, and uh, go dogs. Amen. Go dogs. Go dogs.